The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and Josh Edwards. And today we take a look at some prop bet odds for this year's NFL Draft. Keep it locked with us every single week for all of your off-season news. And remember to like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube page. And if you're listening to audio only, do the same. Download, follow, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends to watch and listen to the pod. Fellas, a uh, big week this week. I mean, not maybe not necessarily for football, but we've got the NCAA final tonight. You got the Masters coming up this weekend. Lot never lots heard of, of it. Along. Yeah, it's um, I, you don't look like someone that's heard of it with that hat. You're wearing on. a hat that says the Masters tournament on it. I mean, like, yeah, I know. I, 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 am, I, am, I know. I'm kidding. Um, what's up, everybody? Uh, yeah, look, this is you know, this is one of those weeks where I am perfectly fine saying in a professional setting, I don't care about my job. (laughs) (laughs) This week, Monday is the NCAA championship. My San Diego state Aztecs tonight, I guess it is. If you're listening. Mine too. Yeah. Plus 300. Let's go Aztecs. November 55 to one. I I haven't been on them that, but I do have a futures ticket on them to win. I can't actually bet on this game tonight because I live in Connecticut. And in Connecticut and Jersey, you cannot bet on the college teams. So it's like completely off the board. So thank God I got a futures ticket already for San Diego State to win uh, the ship because otherwise I wouldn't be able to take a money line tonight, which I actually think they can win. Yeah, I mean, I think that... um... I'm curious where you fall on this, Josh, too. I mean, you know, as a Kentucky fan, you have to inherently be, you know, you know, into college basketball, even if your team is careened off a cliff into you know obscurity that you know I'm just kidding. Um yeah. I, I like razzing Josh about the about about Coach Cal, yeah. who I desperately wish would come to Raleigh. Um yeah, I mean, like I I think there's a chance that UConn could absolutely smack San Diego State tonight. It oh, wouldn't be shocked at all. No. Yeah, UConn is a UConn is a, a I think Matt Norlander wrote a wagon, as the kids like to say, Josh. 
Yeah, I think I saw they need to win tonight's game by about 26 points to beat the uh, point differential record set by a team in the NCAA tournament, which was yeah, Kentucky in 1996. Um, so thank, you for, thank you for bringing that up, Brinson. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, Kentucky 1996. <laughs> um, so there's uh, some history on the line. Yeah. You want, uh, you, want, can I, you, want to, you want to hear a confession? I got a confession that I hate. Uh, uh, Mastermind right. was 92. Oh, this is like Antoine. God, I loved Antoine Walker. Walter McCarty, Ron Mercer, Tony Delk. I mean, just a friggin' like Nazir Muhammad. I mean, how many NBA players are on this freaking 96 Kentucky team, man? My God. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine future NBA players on the roster of a single college basketball team. I mean, that team absolutely smoked. All right. So here's the here's the fire. Here's the scores. 110 to 72 is the one seed. 84 to 60 over Vatek, the nine seed. 101 to 70 against, I believe, Rick Majerus' number four seeded Utah team. They beat a number two Wake Forest team, which almost certainly had Tim Duncan on it and probably Randolph Childress by 20 points in the regional final. And then snuck by number a number one seeded Massachusetts, who um who's I mean was Cal coaching UMass then? Yes, God, future Kentucky coach Cal was, um, was coaching UMass that year. Yeah, I'm looking at this uh, Wake Forest team. Duncan, Rusty LaRue. But no, uh, no Randolph Childress. He was gone by them. But Tim Duncan, a Tim Duncan Wake team. And then took care of number four Syracuse uh, in, the, in the final to win the title. Rick Pitino, back in the big, back in the big games. Now. Man, that Kentucky team was good. So the confession I was going to make is that I grew up a Duke fan. That's not the confession. Um, other could oh, be, I okay. Um, and I like, l- l- I mean, like, you know, grew up around here, like, love Duke, like, love, like, lo- like, like, you know, college basketball is everything around here in North Carolina. Um, I didn't actually watch the Grant Hill to Christian Leitner shot against Kentucky in that regional final because my mom made me go see a play involving one of my cousins <laughs> during that time frame. And I was like, so I actually missed maybe like the greatest college basketball game of all time because featuring the team that I like, de- like that, that team, the 90, 92, was it or 91? Was that 91 or 92? 92, right? Uh, I want to say it was 91. I also uh, did not see that moment because I was still very I young. But, young. Um, <laughs> fortunately, I get reminded of it every single year when Mar- March Madness rolls around. So no problem there. Um, I'm trying to see, was it, was it the 91 team? I don't know. I was too young. I was too young for this one too, Brinson. Um, let's see. Let's see if we can figure this out. Um, you're too young for it. What? I, mean, I was ten. It's like I was. Well, I am slightly younger than it was, you, are, it was, Brinson. Yeah. I was. I was, I was in first. 32. I was in first grade, and I was in first grade in 1991. So, anyways, well, all right. If you would not, like to watch, too young to be watching college basketball. It's uh, it, was, it, was 90, it was a 92 yeah. team, 104, 103 in overtime. The great, arguably the greatest college basketball all the time. And I was watching like my cousin Jay performance a play up in like North Wilkesboro. I was furious when I came out of there. It was like, because you, you couldn't like check on your phone. It was like, yeah, what no happened? Was I, happening. Remember, I, can't remember, I can't remember how I found out the score. I think we were like, went to a restaurant after and people were like, oh my God, what a game. And I was like, ha, ha, that's great. Isn't that great? That's fun, fun, fun. Um, I was 11. So I wasn't like, what was I? Like third, how are well, you? eleven seems like a more like you can understand what's going on more than I was a young first grader. 
because I was, I think I was like five or something because I was four and pre, whatever. It doesn't matter. Watch the men's national chip tonight on CBS at 9.30 Eastern. And don't forget to tune in for pregame coverage with us here at CBS on 8.30 p.m. You got the number five SDSU versus number four UConn. Don't be like a young Will Brinson and go to your cousin's play and miss the big game and San Diego winning in another buzzer beater by one point. That game was incredible, by the way. Oh. The refs were terrible down the stretch, and San Diego State blew like some like really easy free throw opportunities, and then but got those offensive rebounds, and then had some really bad play calling late, and then all of a sudden just whoop. That shot was incredible. Anyway, um, anybody got a, you guys got master's picks while we're burning time and not talking. Well, we should probably we got we got a hard out, so we should probably move on. Yeah, we got We got to keep going. All right, let's talk NFL draft. First overall pick, the favorite is, uh, well, a bunch of quarterbacks, obviously. Favorite is C.J. Stroud, minus 250. Now, Young was the favorite up until Carolina made that trade with the Bears to move up for the first overall. Uh, Sportsbooks seem to feel that the Panthers are really big fans of Stroud. Do y'all think that he goes number one? Would you take this bet? Or is there more value down? Well, of course, there's more value down the line, but actual actuality down the line. Uh, By the way, this is also like kind of interesting, I think, that – like we're talking draft odds on this pod. I like I don't know if they do that on with the first pick. I don't even know who hosts that show or who like you know. I know Rick Spielman is maybe on. Never there. heard of it before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Brian Steve Smilson. Um, I can't. I think remember. they rotate. I think they rotate co-hosts. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, so, oh, you actually do it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh. Oh yeah, that's you're right. Brian. Yeah. You you can't give him the Brian nickname. That's yours. I love Ryan Wilson. I've been podcasting and writing with Ryan Wilson since like since 1991, basically. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, like, they're, they have they have great analysis. Like Josh, Josh does a great job over there too. Like yes, the analysis. But I don't think you're going to get the betting odds over there very often, right? Like mm-hmm. you guys are. Like Rick Spielman's not like here's who I would hammer to go first overall. Um, I think that. Oh boy, I think this is a tough one. So. I think Will Levis and Anthony Richardson should be flipped in this. Levis was like mm. 40 to one. It's come down to 14 to one. I don't think that at 14 to one, he is a good bet. We've seen from uh, numerous reports. I know David Newton said it. I'm fairly certain that um, the, that, that Joe person at the athletic had a similar report, but I had, I'd have to go confirm not that it really matters. Essentially the Panthers are picking between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I think Josh said this is pretty should makes it makes it, Makes sense because you have two guys in Stroud and Young who are more out of the box ready to perform at an NFL level than a Richardson or maybe a Levis. And like, I'm not saying Levis can't come in and be an NFL caliber starting quarterback. It's just that you see his accuracy on the short and intermediate routes. And that definitely gives you some pause as to whether you could win right away with him. Um, You've heard the, you know, we know David Tepper's not patient. You know, he may be, you know, he's got a new coach and, and, you know, gave him a, a lengthier deal and is going to give Frank Reich the ability to try and, you know, develop a quarterback and to get the best quarterback possible. Frank Reich also said that he and Scott Fitterer will have the final say on who they're going to take. So it won't be a David Tepper decision. If it's a David Tepper decision, I think it brings Richardson and Levis much more into play than it would if it's just Frank Reich and uh, Scott Fitterer do it, making the call. Now, Fitterer was in Seattle when, so, and I think this is where, this is an interesting, you know, if you look at the trends, Frank Reich has never started a quarterback that is shorter than, I think, six, five. Is that, mm. it, when he was an offensive coordinator, because he had Phillip Rivers in, um, in, in San Diego, and then he had Carson Wentz, 
who was a starting quarterback when he took over when he came to Philadelphia, Doug Peterson. And then when he went to uh, the Colts, he had Luck, and then Brissett, and then Rivers, and then Wentz and Matt Ryan. And I believe all those guys are six five or taller. Maybe it's six three is the number, but I think it's six five. Bryce Young, six, five not six really five. Tall. Yeah, six five is really yeah. tall. Yeah, that's like two of me. Um, <laughs> the uh, so the question is, Josh, do you buy into the trend of Frank Reich's the quarterback hike for Frank Reich's starting quarterbacks over his tenure as an OC and a head coach when it comes to making this decision? Because the Vegas odds certainly point that way with CJ Stroud being meeting that height requirement, but not by Sean. Yeah, it's complicated. I think um, you can kind of talk yourself into any one of these quarterbacks. You look at Scott Fitterer and his time in Seattle and being around Russell Wilson, you know, is that taken into consideration as well? Um, you talk about the different timelines between how the owner wants to compete versus how the general manager and the head coach want to compete. Typically, the head coach and the general manager, those roles, you know, change year to year. Um, so would you rather have somebody that's going to be ready to compete from day one? And I think that is a guy like CJ Stroud. It's a guy like Bryce Young. So you're trying to find a little bit of a, a middle ground here. And I think CJ Stroud is probably that prospect that gives you some of that upside, but also has that high floor where you would expect him to contribute from day one. Um, at the same time, I think this is a very volatile situation and it's very difficult to get a read on. So I don't know that I would be taking somebody that's a heavy favorite like Stroud, um, but that would be where I would be leaning right now if I were to make a bet on who's going to be taken first overall. Yeah, I don't think you can lay the minus 250 with Stroud. Like, and one of the things, too, if, you, if you're building out a – and I'm trying to make sure that all these guys, like Phillip Rivers, put the height – yeah, 6'5". Carson Wentz, I'm sure, is 6'5". So, like, the other thing about Will Levis, too – he kind of reminds me of Carson Wentz. And that's the sort of thing that keeps ringing in the back of my mind. Like if Frank Reich is like really like Frank Reich, I mean, I mean, he went to war with Carson Wentz with multiple teams. and was really like put his reputation and his job on the line. Eventually, like it did cost him his job, basically, because Jim Marche got so pissed off about it that he fired him basically you know, for like bringing in Carson Wentz. Um, Matt Ryan, six, four. So I think maybe it's six, three or taller. Um, yeah, I, I just. I think that it's one of those things where if you're if you're betting on the draft, you have to sort of learn how to, particularly with several weeks to go before the draft, you have to look, you have to decide like how you want to build out a portfolio, especially as it relates to the number one overall pick. So like, you don't want to throw a bunch of money on CJ Stroud minus two fifty. You know, you could get a rumor at any point in the next couple of weeks that Bryce Young is the right. guy, and these odds will flip at overnight. Right. It, the, these markets are extremely. Um, they're not driven by knowledge. Like, no, I'm not dogging on Caesars here, but Caesars doesn't have any knowledge about who's going first overall. They are no. react. These are reactionary markets to rumors, and there's no bigger rumor mill than the NFL draft. Like, in fact, we even had, you know, a situation in 2019 where Josh Allen was basically minus 250, and Sam Darnold was plus 220, and Baker Mayfield was four, eight plus 850, 14 to one, the morning of the draft. And then you get a tweet from Adam Schefter that's like, the Browns have zoomed in, like have centered their search. You know, whatever it is, like the old Woes tweets, where it's like, hmm. you know, have focused, heightened focus on Baker Mayfield as a new number one overall pick. And then all of a sudden the markets are cascading in the opposite direction. So it's like, you could... 
I think you could make the case to take some Bryce Young at plus 220 right now. I, I would not take Levis at 14. I'd like Levis at like 20 to 1 or more if I was adding some of that to my profile or my, my portfolio. Um, and I think you could probably get Stroud at a shorter number eventually. You know, if you've, if you've been tracking, if you've been doing this for like several, several weeks now and like focusing on it, you could have better CJ Stroud numbers. What you want to do is have plus numbers on several guys at a, yeah. at a, at a reasonable number. You know, that, I think that's the move. Yeah. I How often? I've seen them start to limit their exposure too, because Anthony Richardson and Will Levis have both come down in terms of odds. I mean, Levis at one point fairly recently was over 30 to one. So you've seen that number creep down a little bit to where the markets are kind of, you know, realizing that maybe this is not going to go in their direction. Maybe it's not going to be CJ Stroud and we need to open our eyes to some of these other quarterback prospects. How often will, because I've only been betting on the draft for a couple of years now and last year was pretty wild. Does, is the favorite for number one overall actually the number one overall? Um, depends on the draft, I guess. More Maybe. often than not, you say, or, um, well, it depends on like when the favorite, like, so for instance, uh, like not morning of like, let's say now ish. Well, um, David Taze of the pod will recall that last year, Aiden Hutchinson, I believe was the heavy favorite to go number one overall. And then something happened around a couple weeks out and Trayvon Walker got flipped to the favorite. Who's to say what happened? Uh, Whether it was a, you know, somebody releasing a mock draft or I don't know, someone having inside information and that being passed around and people smashing Trayvon Walker at great numbers. Who's to say, I wouldn't know. Um, Trevor Lawrence was like minus 3000 at this point. And that was even like free money because he was, you know, You would have to, you know, you have to lay whatever you had to lay to minus right. three thousand, but he was going to go number one overall. Uh, I think Burrow around this point was probably minus five hundred. It had just sort of become a thing where everyone knew that they were going to take Burrow at one. Kyler, I don't remember the exact odds, but I definitely bet some. Um, Nick Bosa got some bad information there. I won't tell you who did that. <laughs> uh, that's Jordan Williams. Um, in in that person's defense, the bad information was uh, maliciously planted. So it's not really Baker. Baker that you know Baker was not the favorite until the morning of, until like about ten o'clock the morning of uh, ten a.m. the morning of that draft. Miles Garrett a heavy favorite, um, I believe, right? Because the Browns weren't going to take Trubisky. I can't remember what the. I feel like it, they, I feel like the rumors sort of settled in where they were just going to take Miles Garrett. Golf once the Rams moved up traded up became a huge favorite, but you could have gotten him at a, probably a pretty good number. And I, I don't remember even betting on I, really draft props might've sort of started and sort of like the, the crescendo of the draft yeah. props were really more like 2018, I think, or the, the, yeah. the beginning of the crescendo was like 2018. So to answer your question, it it's, it's very draft dependent and like, it depends on the team up top and what yeah. their needs and are how- and, what, and what the draft class is. Right. And if there's one super, super standout, like you said, like a Trevor Lawrence, where of course yeah. he's going to go the number one overall, that's easier. But when you have and, these and guys who Burrow, are I think, similarly. Even he was like, like kind of in the same, he was like a mini version of Trevor Lawrence in the sense that like everyone knew Burrow oh, was yeah. going one, you know, and, yeah. and like, yeah. So yeah, right. it really depends on the team drafting first overall, I think. 
Okay. So when we look at this number two overall pick, now you got Bryce Young minus 220. Obviously, it seems like he's going to Houston or that Houston would like him there. They, of course, have the number two. Then you got CJ Stroud at plus 200. Then you got Levis at plus 1400 again for first and second overall. He's at plus 1400. What are we thinking? Josh. Yeah, I think Bryce Young, assuming that Stroud goes number one overall, should be considered the favorite here. There's a lot of buzz that that's the direction Houston is leaning at this point in time. However, you know, there is a lot more buzz around Anthony Richardson starting to build because of what he did at the Combine, rolling that into his pro day performance. Um, There's a lot of people that have a lot of confidence in his ability to, you know, contribute at the next level. And if you end up in the right situation, a scheme like the wide zone that has been made famous by uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. Um, you know, that would be kind of an ideal situation for him because you allow him to make plays with his feet, get out of the pocket, roll those pockets a little bit and make plays in space. I think that would be a good situation for a player like Anthony Richardson to where you maybe consider him at number two overall with that athletic potential. So while I do think Young is the favorite here, I would be inclined to get a little bit of Anthony Richardson, have a little bit of exposure there just in case maybe Houston's got their eyes on a bigger fish in this class. Yeah. And Houston fits. So like, whereas the Panthers are, even if the Panthers aren't ready to win right now, I think that the Panthers probably believe that they can win right now based on the division where that, like everything with, you know, the saints and Derek Carr are your biggest obstacle to overcome. Assuming that, you know, the bucks or the Falcons don't go get Lamar Jackson. Right. Um, You have, you know, or, or Aaron Rodgers somehow, which seems extremely unlikely, but, so you get the point. <laughs> Carolina has pieces on defense. They went out and got look at like look at the look at the pass catchers they went out and got, right? Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, um, DJ Chark. These are like veteran guys who are clearly brought in to try and help out a young quarterback who they expect to start right away and to win right away. That is not this, these are these are not the, the moves of a team that would can and, and, and unless it's you know, unless they just want to unless they just love Anthony Richardson. Um, or, or Will Levis and want to just you know, use Andy Dalton for a year, which I, I think is very clear they're not doing that. Houston, on the other hand, is a team that has added a lot of veteran. Like they, they're sort of building in a very Belichick, Casario type of way this offseason, bringing in veteran defensive players. They have enough on offense. They bolstered, you know, they traded Brandon Cooks, but they sort of bolstered uh, the pass catching core. They have a nice running back room um, it, with uh, Damian Pearson, now Devin Singletary. So you could kind of make the case for Houston being a team that, that hey, they're like hey, maybe, like hey, maybe we're a year away, you know, maybe we're not ready to win right now. And I, I, I'm not saying they think that. Just like you could make that case, if that, you know, and if that, if that's what they're doing, then Levis or Richardson make more sense because Richardson, I think, universally, everyone believes he needs to sit for a year. Now I was talking to Chip Patterson about this on uh, Friday. We went and had lunch at the, at the what's that? I love Chip. Yeah, Chip's the best. We we went have lunch at the Raleigh, uh, the Raleigh office. Well, the 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 satellite Raleigh office, in satellite Raleigh CBS office. Is, is a satellite standard, Raleigh standard, office. Standard beer and food on a, on a, on Pershing Street. Um, <laughs> going back there later, but it, 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 nevertheless, um, you know, I, he, Chip was like, she's like, dude, Anthony, but he he just he went dog and Richardson, just like you know, the, everyone like sees the potential, and yet, you know, you're taking a big risk. You're just assuming he's gonna be Josh Allen too. There's so much smoke and connections with Bryce Young and and, and the Texans. Um, one, you have, you know, you, you have Casario and Belichick and Nick Saban, right? 
Um, two, you have a head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who played football at Alabama. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if there's going to be a coach and a GM who are capable of finding out an honest assessment of Bryce Young and his ability to perform and stay healthy and to process and to do all those things at the NFL level, you know, it's the Houston Texans. If it's not the Patriots, it's the Houston Texans, right? Like they also have John Mechie on that roster. They have John Mechie on the roster. They drafted last year. That's a great point. I'm trying to think who else. And if you look at, um, I was looking at this, uh, actually last week, I was kind of surprised by it. Do you know how many non power five players the Houston Texans have drafted in the last three draft classes? So in other words, a player from a non-Power 5 conference. And this is not an unusual thing that the NFL teams draft P5 players. I mean, you know, you've seen more, more exposure. So it's in, instead of making you like sit around and guess, the answer is one. <laughs> and it was Isaiah wow. Coulter out of Rhode Island, a fifth-round pick in 2020. Now, they didn't have first-round picks in, in either 2020 or 2021 because of the Laramie Tunsil trade. Um, but, you know, you see like LSU, A&M, Baylor, Bama, Bama. Back-to-back Bama, interesting. Florida, Stanford, Oregon State, LSU, Stanford, Michigan, Miami, TCU, Arizona, TCU, Florida, North Carolina, Penn State, Rhode Island. Like, this is a team that is – this is a franchise that has focused their drafts on P5 players. They took multiple Alabama guys last year. They took one, two, three, four, five, six of their nine players were from the SEC. And, I mean, these trends don't guarantee anything. Right. But if you're, but if you're, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, if you're looking for connections to an Alabama quarterback, it ain't hard to find them with the Houston Texans, which is why Bryce Young's a favorite. If you're betting CJ Stroud to go first overall or second overall, you should just bet Bryce Young at plus 220 to go first overall because those two are probably correlated. So I'm not laying the 220. I don't hate the idea of taking a little Anthony Richardson here just in case they want the upside. Again, SEC guy. Uh, But Bryce Young certainly feels like, Pretty good bet to go second overall here. Yeah. On that note, we are going to take a quick break. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At stake, the chance to put on the iconic green jacket. So golfers, are you ready? Go! It's a tradition unlike any other. The Masters on CBS. A tradition unlike any other. The Pick 6 Podcast here again on a Monday for not following us on social. What are you doing at Pick 6 Pod across all social media platforms? 
All right, let's talk receivers, Josh. If we uh, we look at this, you got Jackson Smith Enigma minus two hundred. Then you got Quentin Johnson plus four fifty. Zay Flowers, what a name, Zay Flowers at plus six hundred. Jordan Addison and down the line, who do you think will be the first drafted wide receiver this year? I really like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think uh, for me personally, he's probably the most surefire wide receiver in the class. At the same time, I would be inclined to take Quentin Johnston um, as the potential first wide receiver off the board because he has that combination of size, speed, and ability after the catch. Um, So for me, I think he offers the most upside at the position. However, I will say that you really have to consider the teams that could be in the market for the position at that stage of the draft. So you're talking about a run on the position possibly happening uh, middle of the first round, maybe even early 20s, somewhere in there. Uh, You look at the Titans, the Texans, uh, the Patriots, the Packers, the Seahawks, maybe those teams are in the mix. I do think probably the majority of those teams would be more inclined to take somebody like Smith and Jigba, who's, you know, going to work out of the slot, be a compliment to bigger wide receivers already on the roster whether that's Christian Watson, DK Metcalf. But I can't help but think that Johnston with the value here is probably where I would be laying the money. Yeah. I mean, I think Johnston and Flowers are the the two looks here. By the way, Johnston, as, as Josh points out, you talk about the, the size. Like He's the only guy on this list of the top five receivers that's over six feet tall. Like, like there's two, I think, um, Hyatt and... JSN are both six feet even, maybe? Uh, Zay Flowers, like 5'10". I mean, so in other words, like, there's only one guy who's got the actual size of, you know, a, a prototypical number one. Like, a lot of these guys, you know, like Josh Downs, who's not even, uh, doesn't even make this list. I don't know how far down Downs is, but, like, you know, he's, like, again, you know, slot-style receiver. Um, not saying all these guys are, are going to be like that. It's just, you know, you size is important to NFL teams. They want, you know, they want the... You know, you want to be able to to go up and win one on one. Where did you make that face? It is. Size matters in the NFL draft, Katie. Size matters. Yep. Say that again. Um, God, you really are falling into the host role here. Um, the, 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 uh, look, the like you you want. I mean, six four is a huge difference as a wide receiver between six six feet tall and six four. You're talking about like if you get a Jail, you know, Jalen Ramsey style, you know, or a, a you know, a, a sauce guard. Like you're getting a one-on-one matchup against a quarterback. Yes, you can beat you can beat a quarterback, you know, like that with speed on the inside and cutting it. But like, can you move? You know, can is can you move certain white? Like Josh Downs, for instance. I don't think teams will look at him and say, "Can you move him outside?" You know, you're you're going to play him in the slot, and you know it, that's a hard projection to make on how a college player is going to go is going to project as a number one wide receiver. Remember, you, you know, your hashes are closer. You, you know, you have less room to operate. You're going up against elite talent on the outside. Whereas in college, you know, you could draw some, you know, some dude, you know, every week, you know, just because of how it works out. And to Josh's point, you know, you start looking at where this first receiver is going to come off the board. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be the under on receivers in the first round is probably a good look. Like who's the first team that's going to take a wide receiver. I, I, obviously, maybe, Carolina Houston. Maybe the Seahawks at, at number 20. Yes. We're talking about a 20. Yeah, 20. Yeah, five. I think well, they go say, defense. I, mean, but, I, think, yeah. I think you can make the case of Green Bay at 15, especially as like an F you to Rodgers if they trade. Oof. Um, 
I don't think New England at 14, New England at 14 is certainly live for that as well. And they want, they, they, they have to know they need speed down the field. And, you know, they've been terrible at identifying what wide receivers they want to bring in. Um, I think Houston at 12 is a sneaky one too, where you, you add a wide receiver to pair with a quarterback that you take at number two, presuming, you know, presumably they do that. Um, Philly, for the love of God, Howie Roseman, don't do it. Uh, just <laughs> Tennessee, you could make the case at, at, at 11 that they need help at wide receiver as well. You know, it, it would, um, you know, I think it would make like if they added a wide receiver in the draft and not saying that they would automatically be, you know, an elite guy out of the, out of the box. But like, if, you know, if you threw like a Zay flowers in there with Traylon Burks and you know, you have Derrick Henry and like, I don't really have anybody tight at God, this offense they're so bad. Uh, but like, if you added another receiver in the first round, Tennessee, you would feel a little more comfortable with what they had on offense. So I think, I think that 10 or that 11 to 15 range is where you would really start seeing a wide receiver come off the board. Seattle at 20 is not a, not a crazy idea at all. Um, especially with Tyler Lockett getting a little bit older and, Suddenly into commercial or like residential real estate now, which is not Wait, something I saw. What? I mean, yeah, he was like tweeting about like he's like house under contract. I was like, did he buy that house? It's very small for an NFL wide receiver, for like a professional football player. And it's like, no, that's his picture in like a little blazer, like selling the house. Um, wow, Baltimore. That is you know, you have to think, Yeah, Baltimore. You have to think could consider another wide receiver early. Um, little throw the Lamar bone. The Giants. There's just not a ton of landing spots. I think Kansas City is always live to take a wide receiver at 31, um, especially like a, a Josh Downs or you know, if somehow Zay Flowers is there. But to Josh's point, I would be looking at both Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers as as the bets to make here. Like I think this market is badly skewed. Even if you know Jackson Smith is the guy and he's the number one, like I think minus 200 is too much. There's like there's way too much. There's a difference of what teams need and what type of receiver these teams might take. And the like teams just might love Zay. Zay Flowers is a dude. Like, I think Zay Flowers is a stud. I mean, I watch a lot of him. He is he's incredible. Quentin Johnson has that speed and that and that size that, that teams covet. So I, I think it should probably be more like even money for Jackson Smith. And then if I were betting this, I would have action on both Quentin Johnson and Zay Flowers, I think, to go first. And if if scroll down a little bit, Billy, if Josh Downs is anything over like 20 to 1, I would consider that too. If he's not on there, don't worry about it. To your point, too, I think when teams look at the size profile of a Zay Flowers or a Jordan Addison or a Jackson Smith and Jigba, Josh Downs, as you mentioned, they may look at day two and say, hey, we can find a comparable player uh, like a Downs, like a Tyler Scott from Cincinnati. Somebody in that regard that, you know, maybe we can take a different position on day one and still get a player that's maybe doesn't have quite the ceiling, but is a, is comparable in skill set on day two. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, look, again, if Josh Downs is your guy, and I just come back to him because he's so slot heavy. Like he's 90-something percent in the slot at Carolina, I think. If not, like, it might be 100%, honestly. And if you draft him, you're you know, you're know, going to get him on punt returns and kick returns and all that stuff. That's great. That's a huge addition. And I think he's a dynamic player, and I think he's going to be a, a, a very good NFL player. But you are not going to – you run the risk of him not being on the field – on every single snap. And if you're using a top 15, 20 pick on that, like that's, you know, that's something that NFL teams are definitely going to consider. I agree. 
All right, moving on to the first drafted defensive player. Will Anderson Jr. is the heavy favorite, the juiciest odds we've seen so far, minus 450. Then you got Jalen Carter, plus 800. He's actually tied in the odds with uh, Tyree Wilson at plus 800. Then Christian Gonzalez at plus 900. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, for my money, Will Anderson Jr. is probably the safest among this group yet again. But you also have to take into consideration who is making the pick. Because we've already heard a lot of buzz that Arizona is possibly trading out of number three overall. So you can't just sit here and think, okay, Arizona, number three overall, let's say they're going to take the shortest, the, the surest thing to kind of rebuild this franchise with first year head coach Jonathan Gannon. I don't think you can do that. Um, so for me, if that were to happen and then suddenly Seattle is sitting there with the number five overall selection and they're picking the first defensive player off the board. I'm more inclined to take the value on a Tyree Wilson or a Jalen Carter because that's a franchise that is not afraid to think out of the box, but they're also looking for those athletic traits. They've gone for the Bruce Irvins in the past. They've gone for Jordan Brooks, LJ Collier, all those guys. I mean, it's typically at the end of the first round, but they certainly have a type. So I would be more inclined to take the value on either Carter or Wilson while acknowledging that Anderson is probably the safest option of the group. Yeah. That's I think that's the perfect analysis here is that Will Anderson's probably more than likely the first defensive player off the board just because he's you know doesn't have the stuff you know the off-field stuff that Jalen Carter has. I don't think Seattle personally, like dude, you look at Jalen Carter's like like have you seen his mock draftable chart? It only has four things. It's like hand size, arm length, weight, and and uh, height. And it, but it's like a perfect diamond, which is, you know, I, I mean, again. These things are, there's all kinds of different, you know, stuff that you can look into, but you, you, know, you just look at like Tyree Wilson's sort of profile from a explosive perspective and guys like Chandler Jones and Alden Smith pop up as comparables, right? Um, Taco Charlton, not as you know exciting, of course, but uh, you know, then you go and look at Will Anderson and Kayvon Thibodeau pops up as one, but like, you know, there's just some, it, it feels like maybe of a, a floor ceiling discussion, right? Like I think Seattle, if if Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are both there, with Seattle at five, and there's a very good like there's a really good chance that somebody trades the three with the Cardinals, who desperately need talent across the board, have a new GM, have a new head coach, you know, have to figure out what they're you know that they trade out of that spot, and I think somebody I think has been pointed out that Will Anderson maybe not a great fit with that Jonathan Gannon scheme, so. You could have a situation where if you take both Jalen Carter and Tyree Wilson at eight to one, that you have it sort of covered if if the Cardinals trade out and then five is the first pick where the Seahawks again could be taking somebody. Or if Arizona stays there and takes a defensive player, but it isn't Will Anderson because they don't think he's the right scheme fit. Like they're not going to, you know, if we have to assume the Texans and the Panthers are going to take a quarterback at one or two, right? And if they do that, then you know, the Colts are at four. And if you want to get either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson and guarantee yourself, you get them, you have to trade up to three. And I think the Cardinals would probably be more than more likely to trade out at a discounted price. Not saying that they'll do it for free, but you know, that like that they know what they, they know what they need in terms of, and you got a Monty Asifort type who's coming from, you know, has a New England background, right? Right? Am I crazy? He has a New England background. Or is he a Tennessee background? 
Then money has to for whatever, whatever, whatever the case. <laughs> yeah, sure, sounds good. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was in Tennessee. Yeah, he's got a New England background. Yeah, he's the area. Yeah, he was the um, yeah, he was in New England forever. You know what New England GMs like? You know what New England Belichick proteges like to do? Trade down. Mm-hmm. Like it makes a ton of sense that Arizona would trade out of that spot. And that they would let somebody come up and get Levis or Anthony Richardson before the Colts could get him. It makes a ton of sense that they would trade out of that spot with the Colts, move to four, and then let somebody come up and get the fourth pick for a quarterback. Whoever's left, because the Seahawks are at five and have been out there flaunting it with every quarterback that they can get a selfie with, including Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. So I think it's a really, really reasonable case that Seattle, as Josh points out, is making that first pick at five first non-quarterback pick and that Jalen Carter and, and, um, and uh, uh, Tyree Wilson could both go above Will Anderson. And then, you know, you have, I guess it's six, you'd have Detroit sprinting to get Will Anderson. I don't know. Kind of hmm. interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's sort of my thought there. That was a very long drown out thought, but a very good one. Brinson. A long way of saying right I agree, Josh. Yes, yes, absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. You're watching the Pick 6 Podcast. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast what do you think we're gonna uncover out there with some luck maybe a green jacket as sharp as the one you get when you win the masters it's a tradition unlike any other the masters on cbs 
Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Katie Mox here with Will Brinson and Josh Edwards. And today is an NFL Draft Prop Bets Odds Show. Make sure you tap in with us all week long for all of your NFL offseason news. And of course, remember to like, comment, and subscribe to the YouTube page. Now let's move on to where will they draft? We've talked about the Seahawks a lot already in this episode. they got the number five. They've got the number 20. Brinson, I feel like you've put a lot of good knowledge about what the Seahawks can do. But uh, Josh, what are you thinking? Yeah, at one point, I thought that quarterback was probably the direction that they could go, and I still think it's probably the direction that they should go. However, as we kind of talked about on the last week's podcast with Brinson, they're out there taking all of these pictures with all these yeah. quarterback prospects. It almost feels like they're trying a little bit too hard. Maybe they're fine riding the wave a little bit with Geno Smith here. So I'm more inclined to 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 lean towards the defensive line, the edge rusher positions there, but there's not a whole lot of value there either. So I'm not sure that um, really laying any money there is is the best option. Is there any chance to go offensive lineman here? 14 to one at, at Caesars to go offensive lineman. We've seen them, you know, they took Charles Cross last year. Uh, the last time they had two first round picks, they went with Earl Thomas first and then took Russell Okun as a follow up on that first round pick. And so, I mean, you just sort of wonder, like you look at where the Seahawks are picking, right? And they have they have six or five and 20. I, again, at five, if Arizona goes Will Anderson, there's a chance the Seahawks trade back. You know, if the Colts take a quarterback and then Anthony Richardson's still on the board in Detroit, Vegas, and Atlanta are right there. You know, if, if you know, I'm just trying to think who like Tennessee might move up, you know, right, and take and take it. So, I agree. I agree in the sense that like minus two hundred is just not worth it to lay the defensive lineman slash edge. So you take the you know that that's that's that includes a lot of guys, right? You're not getting any, you know, you're you're getting a little more expansive pool of players, but you're not getting very much value at minus two hundred. Plus two fifty for quarterback is too short. I don't hate defensive back at six to one if they felt like they needed to add some more cornerbacks, but we, you know, traditionally they've waited to draft cornerbacks. So I guess offensive linemen would be my value pick, but I'm just not sure if there's a guy that they, is there a guy that they would take at six there? Not at six because last year they also took Abe Lucas, who I thought played better than cross in the first half of the season, but both of them are really strong building blocks for that offensive line moving forward. So you're talking about possibly using a top five pick on the interior offensive line, which is certainly not unheard of. Indianapolis did it with Quentin, oh, yeah, with Quentin Nelson, but um, yeah, you're right. You're right. No, no, that was my fault. Yeah. They're not, um, they're not probably not going to invest that, that type of capital into the interior offensive line. So if they do trade back, let's say to Tennessee at number 11, then the offensive line comes into the equation. Maybe they get a Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern to build that interior offensive line. Maybe they do look at one of those wide receivers that we've already discussed. Um, defensive back, you know, they got a couple of quality guys in last year's draft class, but maybe they're, you know, enticed by the idea of putting a Christian Gonzalez opposite, um, you know, last year when they got Tariq Woolen. So there's more options if they were to trade back. But as they currently sit at number five overall, I'd probably be leaning towards defensive line or edge rusher. Yeah. So like Peter Skaronsky, wow, what a can't believe I pronounced the name right. That's exciting. Um is <laughs> definitely considered <laughs> like first try too. Is definitely considered a guy that would move is a possibility to move on to the inside, right, Josh? Like, I mean, that's so that would fit what the Seahawks want to do. But to your point, like Quentin Nelson was a about as a blue chip guard prospect as they come. 
like you don't see that type of prospect come along very often at that position. It, he, you got to be that guy to warrant a, a selection in the top 10 as a guard, I think. And so drafting a guy who played tackle that you're projecting a move to the interior, even if you're a run-based team like Seattle that wants to improve the offensive line, would be I think would be a surprise at, at five. So yeah, trade down. I think trade down to like 11 and grab Skaronsky is sort of your what you need to happen for the offensive lineman at 14 to one is probably not a great look for that. So yeah, I think no value on Seattle. All right. Let's talk about the Raiders. They have the number seven and the number 38 picks. Obviously the favorite is that they get a quarterback, even though they have Jimmy Garoppolo. Will Levis has been in that conversation. Is that where you think they go, Josh? They actually brought Levis in for a visit recently. So he's certainly in the mix there to be taken. Um, they're a tough team to figure out because now that they have Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm starting to lean towards the idea that they're not going to take a quarterback this year. Mm. Um, and part of that is because they may not have a choice. If the first four quarterbacks are gone, if Tennessee were to move up, if Indianapolis moves up and suddenly they're the team that's left without a chair, uh, then they don't have a choice but to not take a quarterback. So if you do not take Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or whichever quarterback prospect is still on the board, um, then possibly you're looking at a team that could be the first to take an offensive lineman. Maybe that is a Peter Skaronsky um, there at number seven overall. So I think they do have some options. You look at Christian Gonzalez, the defensive back, cornerback from Oregon, uh, Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback from Illinois. Those are probably the directions I could see them going if uh, they were to not take a quarterback. But I'm kind of starting to lean in that direction that maybe that, that pick is not used on a quarterback. I think there's I think there's good value here at uh, defensive lineman slash edge for the Raiders at plus three seventy five. You know, you look at Jalen. I mean, Jalen uh, Chandler Jones' contract, and I mean, he I, obviously disappointment in twenty twenty two. After twenty twenty three, they can't cut him this year because they wouldn't get any money. But you know, if you let's say you get Tyree Wilson there, and you grab Tyree Wilson, if you, you know if he falls because like Will Anderson goes three, the quarterbacks are taken. Um, you know, Jalen Carter goes. Chandler Jones you save $12.2 million in salary cap space. If you cut him after the 2023 season, like he's, and then there's just two, I think void years uh, on the back end of two option years, whatever it is. Like he's probably getting cut after this season. Um, you know, he's going to be 34 or 30, you know, he turned 34. So like there's, a, they've signed Max Crosby to an extension, but there's going to be a void at some point in the next year on the other side where they want to rush the passer. And you're in a division that has, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. Like, you can't afford to be short on pass rush if you're in a division with those three quarterbacks. You know, assuming we get you know, Russ comes back to some kind of semblance of, of you know, not being a total bust. So I, I think I think Edge here is a really good value at plus 375 because everyone's sort of focused on them taking a quarterback. And yet, you know, like Jimmy G, I mean, why is he not, why is he a, he's not a one-year bridge solution, I don't think. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, has no, played good football. Not. He's a lifetime contract. That's what Jimmy G is. Yes. Yeah. I just, I just think that, I just think you're looking at a guy that they think they can win with, with the next couple of years or try to win with, and that they're more likely to beef up their, you know, they signed Jacoby Myers and, and you, know, you just look at this, this roster. And I think at, like a, a, a defensive lineman is definitely a source of need. I mean, they could go secondary too, but uh, I think defensive lineman at almost four to one is good value. Yeah, I agree with that because then you could sit there and have that player learn from Chandler Jones and Max Crosby for a year. Yeah, that's an ideal situation, absolutely. 
But you look at Josh McDaniels. I mean, we saw this past year, he decided to move on from Derek Carr because he didn't feel like he orchestrated the offense well enough. Now you've got a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo that has that familiarity in that scheme, somebody that's going to be able to run it the way that he wants. Maybe that is an option where, you know, he's, he's committed to Jimmy G for a couple of years and not necessarily looking for the next option in this draft class. Now, now having said that, they can cut Jimmy G after the season too. So, I mean, like, you know, you never. I mean. yes. Send him back to San Francisco. All right, let's uh, let's look at the Lions. They have the number six uh, from the Rams. They also have pick number 18. I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are thinking that Will Anderson Jr. would be a good fit there. Or if they want to go quarterback, then maybe Anthony Richardson. What are you thinking, Josh? I think they're almost a lock to take defensive line or edge if they stick at number six overall, knowing that they do still have number 18 overall, because I think you're more likely to get one of these cornerbacks with that second first round pick, whether that's Deontay Banks from Maryland, uh, Devin Witherspoon, Christian Gonzalez, as we've already discussed, Joey Porter Jr. There's more options at the cornerback position when you look at the middle to, you know, middle of the first round to the early 20s at the cornerback position than the talent that you could get at the edge rusher position. You know, whether it's Tyree Wilson, whether it's Jalen Carter, Will Anderson Jr., if he were to fall to that point. So I'm more inclined to think that they take one of those defensive linemen or edge rushers if they stick at number six overall. But again, there's also the reality, the looming possibility that they're, you know, going to trade down. Maybe Tennessee is the team that moves up. And then suddenly you're reconsidering all of your options for the Lions at number 11 overall. So one of the things I think you need to look at when you're talking about what a team, what a team might specifically do to draft is like one, what what are their needs, obviously. And then two, like, what is their draft history? Like, what is, what have we seen from a particular front office? Well, if you look at the Lions, um, like, is it Chris Spielman who's like their who's basically like their no, he's not their GM, obviously, but he's like got a heavy hand in this. And Dan Campbell, they have been very heavy on building through the trenches early in the draft. So the question for me with the Lions becomes, do they feel they built enough in the trenches that they can now go and grab use an early pick on someone on the back end of the defense? I don't know if they necessarily trust going cornerback that early, but certainly like a Christian Gonzalez could work if they wanted to add somebody in the secondary, they need to add people in the secondary. Um, you know, we've just seen the only non first or second round pick that they've used. And they've had a, a, several of them because they had two first rounders last year. Like uh, Jameson Williams is the only non trench guy that they've used a first or second round pick on the last two years. So you also, you can look at it and note that most of their guys are coming from power five schools. I just think that's worth noting. And again, we see that a lot with these teams, but um, I'm a little hesitant to say that cornerback would be the answer. It definitely, it definitely makes the most sense. I think you could probably spring. I don't think they go offensive lineman, running back or wide receiver, wide receiver. No. Yeah. I think it's either defensive back or defensive or defensive lineman slash edge. And it kind of stinks that they're both minus money, which come on, Caesars throws a bone here, but you could, you could reasonably put like two units on each one of those and feel like you were probably covered. Yeah, I agree. And they have passable options at both edge rusher and cornerback. They signed Cam Sutton. They signed Emmanuel Mosley. They've got guys that can play that position if they choose to wait until later in this draft to address it. They've also got Julian Aquara. They've got James Houston. They've got Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Paschal. You know, they've got guys that can play these positions. That's why it's kind of difficult to peg just exactly what they're looking for. But again, I think at the end of the day, it boils down to what you initially said, which is they believe in building through the trenches. They believe in having this, you know, physical, hard-nosed mentality and, and somebody that's, 
you know, going to win at the point of contact. So that's ultimately why I always come back to either the defensive line or the edge rusher positions for Detroit. Yeah, and also disrespectful of you not to mention Lee McNeil, so I will. But um, <laughs> the, uh, Lee McNeil is, is, is sick, by the way. But, I mean, I think you're right. Like, there's – it is you know, they have they've invested a lot of resources, um, you know, four third-round picks or better in the last two years on the defensive line. I don't think it's out of control that they would continue to invest there and believe that the defensive line is what is going to create uh, – good play for the secondary we see nfl teams do this all the time they just load up the front and let the back end become better because of that all right guys we got to tap out here but thank you so much for watching the pick six podcast for will brinson myself and josh edwards edwards <laughs> make sure you tune in with us every single week for all of your nfl offseason news and remember to like comment subscribe on our youtube page for audio only do the same leave us a five-star review and uh, you know just tell your friends about us and we will see you on tuesday CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.